If you would turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 11 or your phones, whatever you read the Bible with. If not, you can just follow along with me. It says, now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage, Bethany, the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and we'll send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. Verse 5, and some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying that colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let him go. Verse 7, they, bought, uh, they brought the colt to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many spread their cloaks on the road, on the ground, and others spread leafy palm branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, say Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it were already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. Lord, help us today to glean from your word whatever you want to speak to us. Let us learn it, absorb it, but apply it to our lives. Holy Spirit, help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me give you a quick background. So just so you know, for the, today and the next two weeks, up until Easter Sunday, we're going to take a moment of time from what we call Passion Week or Holy Week. Anybody grew up Catholic here? You know what, you know what Holy Week is? That's the week where you don't say anything, you don't make a lot of noise because it's holy. Right? I can remember my mom going, shh, too loud. And we go, oh, holy. Right? So, um, and so this was the beginning of what we call Holy Week or, or Passion Week. Jesus is from, the, from Capern, Capernaum, right? Uh, he was in that area where he called the disciples. He's finally coming into Jerusalem. And this was a solemn time because this was the beginning of what he knew to be his mission. And that was to save the world. In order to save the world, he had to die. He had to spill his blood because the Bible says without the remission of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. In the Old Testament, they would sacrifice animals, and that blood was crucial. It was critical. Without blood, there was no forgiveness of the sin which you were making the sacrifice. And Jesus knew, uh, he knew that he was becoming the final sacrifice for all of the world. And so we call this the triumphal entry. And it took place at the same time as the Jewish holiday, the Passover. If you remember that story in the Old Testament when Moses was bringing the Israelites out of slavery, um, there was a time where Pharaoh would not let them go. Um, and so God told Moses to tell Pharaoh that if you don't do this, I'm going to allow the spirit of death to go through the homes and take the life of the firstborn. But he told the Israelites, if you would take the blood of a lamb, an unblemished lamb, a perfect lamb, put it over your doorpost. When the spirit of death comes across and sees that blood covering your home, it will pass by and it will not uh, 
and death will not take its toll on your family. And so uh, that Passover was happening. And so at this moment in time, there was a lot of people headed to Jerusalem. And most of the time, people wouldn't ride into Jerusalem. So this is kind of significant that Jesus is getting a donkey because a lot of people didn't ride in. They walked in. It was like a pilgrimage. And so this is also the only, uh, one of the only events in which all four Gospels record. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all wrote about this time when Jesus shows up in Jerusalem. And Jesus was very popular because, you know, he was doing miracles, he was preaching, he would get these big old crowds, they'd come around, so they knew who he was. And now, for the first time where Jesus would do a miracle and he'd say, shh, don't tell anybody, go back to your home. You know, don't tell anybody what would happen here, right? Jesus was a humble king. He wasn't like any other king. Well, in this writing, this is the first time where Jesus doesn't deny it. And so here he says, when you go into the village, you're going to find a colt. If they ask you or when they ask you, tell them the Lord hath need of it. And that's the first time he wasn't hiding who he was anymore. And so because he was very popular, you have to understand that Jesus' popularity was based on a lot of misunderstandings. He was always arguing. He was always, you know, tussling, you know, theologically and with the law and with the, with the Pharisees and the, and the priests. And it was no different here. He's coming in saying that he's a king. The Jewish people are ready for a king. He's entering the other Gospels will tell you what they were shouting. They were shouting, you know, Hosanna. They were saying the king. They were, they were right in their profession. But they were wrong in their idea of what kind of king was coming to rule and reign. And so for them, they weren't quite on track when it came to recognizing Jesus as the true king. There were some things that were off. How many know miscommunication can start wars? And so, in order for us to not be like the people of this day, in order for us to recognize who Jesus really is and to accurately do that, there are some things that we must acknowledge. And the first thing we must acknowledge is the king's timing. Looking back at verse 1, I'll just paraphrase this. It says, now when they drew near, and I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to tell you, don't let the simplicity of this sentence throw you off. Because Jesus was deity, because Jesus was God, because he is the architect of everything, he purposely took steps that had messianic implications. We can go through that. We don't have time, but we can go through this verse and talk about how uh, getting the colt and the donkey had to do with a king uh, named Jehu in the Old Testament and how they got him and how they put cloaks on the donkey and cloaks on the road. They only did that for Old Testament kings. They only did that for a few. So just that right there is showing that there's a fulfillment of prophecy. Just Jesus coming to Jerusalem in the fashion in which he did, that was fulfillment of messianic prophecy. Um, I mean, we can go on and on. But here the timing is significant because God 
in human form shows up and he planned it that way, to be just like that. Divine in nature, but his plans were supernatural. But that's kind of where the disconnect starts to happen. And so they're shouting Hosanna. Hosanna means save. Come save. So the Jewish people are recognized that we have a king. And they're saying Hosanna. In other words, they're saying save. Save me. Save us. They're saying save us from this Roman government. Because we don't want to be oppressed anymore. Save us from, you know, all these external things. And Jesus is saying, that's not why I came. And that's not why I came to save you. And so because they were distracted and hoping for external things, they missed the inner dealings that Jesus really came for. Their concerns were political liberation. But Jesus came to bring spiritual Liberation. The people were focused on external possibilities while Jesus came to fix their internal problems. The people wanted a different kind of Messiah. They were intrigued by certain events, but to them there was no way that their king was going to have to go and die. Jesus was seeing crucifixion. They were thinking, we're finally going to break free from these governments. They wanted their mighty king to save them from Oppression, but not from sin. And even today, people are looking for a Messiah of their own making. Because we approach God, and we'll give him rules. Can you imagine that, that we give God rules? God, I'll serve you here, but not here. I'll give you a Sunday, but don't take my Saturday night. How many know what I'm talking about? Save me from debt, Jesus. Save me from sickness, Jesus. But what about their real issue, which is sin? Their external expectations caused them to miss out on their internal needs. If we're going to fully recognize and understand the kingship of Jesus, we must acknowledge the king's mission. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 21. When you say, what did Jesus come for? What was his purpose? What was his mission? I think this sums it up pretty good. In Luke chapter 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus speaking. By the way, this also is a repeat from a scripture in Isaiah in the Old Testament. So here's Jesus, again, fulfilling scripture, fulfilling prophecy. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll... He gives it back to the attendant and he sits down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, has been fulfilled in your presence, in front of your very eyes. I'm that guy. And as followers of Jesus, Acknowledging the mission means acknowledging that we are also a part of that mission. We are entering the Easter season. I'm a little bit ahead of time because Passion Week actually starts next week. It's a week from uh, before Jesus was actually crucified. But just for the sake of fulfilling our Sundays, we are beginning uh, today. 
But there are opportunities to bring others to hear this message in which Jesus came for, right? I mean, this is why he came, so that he can communicate that he's the Messiah. And we have opportunity, being on the same mission as God, of God, to bring people to come and hear the message. But we are on the same mission to proclaim good news and bring freedom to others. Upon entering Jerusalem, Jesus chooses two disciples and then he sent them. Say sent. Our job as disciples is twofold. Our job is to go and our job is to do. A disciple goes where he's told. A disciple does what he's told. Now, let, let me clarify because I think here in America we get this confused because we call ourselves Christian, which means to be Christ-like, and I don't know if that carries a whole lot of weight. So we have to clarify and say, okay, we're not talking about Christian. We're talking about a disciple, someone who actually follows Jesus, really tries to follow him. And so that's what we're talking about when we say a disciple. Okay, I don't, know when, I don't want to know if you're Christian or not, what country you were born, if that makes you Christian or not, or even when you were baptized. You see what I'm saying? Some, that, it really doesn't matter. Although we encourage you to get baptized, that's an outward expression of our faith. But at the same time, this is where the rubber meets the road. A disciple goes and a disciple does. Uh, Mark 11, uh, starting at the tail end of chapter, verse 1, Jesus sent two of disciples, Excuse me. Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you. Go into the village in front of you. And immediately as you enter it, you'll find a colt, which no one has ever sat. Again, fulfillment of prophecy. Untie it and bring it. But let me focus on this. Go into the village in front of you. Jesus is sending you into the villages in front of you. What village? Your neighborhood. What village, your neighbors, what village, your, your workplace, that's your village. The village in front of you, Jesus is sending you to. What village, uh, your classmates, your campus, your school, your other family's house where you go to eat all the time. What village is in front of you? See, Easter isn't just about defeating death on a cross. It's not just about us avoiding death and sin. It's about telling others that Jesus also did it for them. And so we must acknowledge the king's timing. We must acknowledge the king's mission. And finally, we must acknowledge the king's domain. We must acknowledge the king's place. Where does the king dwell? Where does he make his home? As we come to an end, I'm just going to read four verses to you that's really going to paint the picture. Um, and I, it's my hope that these verses will make clear uh, our role, what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to participate, and how to make that happen. So Mark chapter 11, verse 11 says this, And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. So let's, let's, let's focus on the, on the temple. The temple is a place where worship 
happens. The temple is a place where you meet the presence of God, where the presence of God is. And so we have to remember that when Jesus came, after all this was said and done, he makes his triumphal entry. He already knows that these are the people who are calling me king today, but they're going to flake out later. They're throwing palm leaves. They're throwing cloaks. They're celebrating our king has come. And Jesus knows we are, we are, we are on, we're on different pages. We got to remember that when Jesus comes and looks at the temple, it's not to fulfill anything or not to do anything like that. Jesus comes to cleanse it. Jesus comes to the temple to inspect it. So we're still on this theme of the temple. Another verse, Acts 17, 24 says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. We can kind of call this our temple, our sanctuary. We come here and we worship and thank God for all of our incredible, wonderful volunteers who give so much. And they, they do this so that you can be here and sit with us and hear good music and hear the word of God. And the presence of God falls here. And that's, that's our goal. Just know this. If we come to church and Jesus doesn't show up, we came to church for nothing. So we expect God's presence here. But when this is over and we leave the doors, we go out into the streets, how many believe God's presence goes with you? Right? Amen? We're supposed to be curious, but here's how. Because he doesn't dwell in temples made by man. It's not about the church you go to. It's not about the name of it. It's not about that. First, two more verses. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in who? You. Raise, my, raise your hand. This is the temple Jesus is talking about. little scary because we just said when Jesus comes to the temple, he comes to inspect, right? <laughs> Whew, now we're going, Jesus, Lord, forgive me for, you know, what I said yesterday, what I did yesterday. And that's okay. That's, that's fine. That's kind of how it goes. Every day we have to wake up and decide I'm going to follow him and he's going to continue to cleanse us. And so that means we, we ask forgiveness every single day because none of us are perfect. Except for me yesterday I was, just kidding. You see what I'm saying? There, there's, there's no way. It's called sanctification where God cleans us up as we go if you stick with it. Okay, that doesn't mean you can go and have a blast one week and not even acknowledge God and then come back and be like, Jesus, I'm so sorry. It doesn't work that way. Do you not know that you're a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy. And that is is what you are. We are holy not in ourselves, not in anything that we could do, 
or anything that we can claim, anything that we've accomplished, that's not what makes us holy. It's what we're talking about here. Jesus' mission, the reason why he came was to defeat sin and death for you and for me. And by receiving him, now we're holy. We make claim to nothing. We have nothing to offer him that would make us any better or any holier. It's just Jesus, Jesus, period. And one last verse, and I'm going to make one real quick kind of sub point, and then we'll pray. We'll get out of here. Revelation chapter 21, verse 3 and 4 says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying. Nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. When Jesus showed up in Jerusalem. And he put this plan into. I mean this plan that had been sitting. Dormant. Just waiting. Waiting to, waiting to first. Thousands of years to be executed. And then Jesus shows up and says, the time is now. Right? We're acknowledging the timing. Not only is the time now, but it also means that there are things to come. There are things to come for us. There are things to come for his kingdom. And so the dwelling that the Bible is talking about here is not just for here and now. We have a future that is safe and secure if we will follow him and do it his way. And guys, I don't know about you, but at the end of the day, that's what matters to me. Like, I want God on this side of heaven. Right? I want to experience him. I want to do what I can to follow him. I want to do what I can to advance his kingdom. But there's going to be a time where we leave this place. You see, when it comes to timing and 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 time, what's crazy is what happens in eternity is determined by what you decide now. And so, when we think about things to come, I'm going to be honest with you. The reason, y'all, I gave my life to Christ because I didn't, I wanted to go there and not here. I was afraid of here. But what happens in eternity is determined by how you decide right now. Jesus came on a mission. All this we're reading about happened a week before he would eventually be crucified. And it wasn't easy for him. The Bible says there were times where he pleaded with God, God, is there any other way? Is there any other way we can do this? But yet he still did that. He was obedient he walked the path to the cross, got the job done, was crucified, died for us, spilled his blood 
for us. And the Bible tells us we know this. See, we, it's easy for us Christians nowadays because we know the end of the story. It's easy to celebrate. But imagine what these guys were going through here now. This is what Jesus was trying to tell them. But because of what he did on the cross, our future is secure. Let me just end it right there and just offer a, an opportunity. As always, we, as much as we can, always want to give an opportunity. So just where you're sitting, before, you're, before you close, just uh, bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to give a quick invitation. Uh, and we just want to pray with anybody who's here today and you're going, man, the story, I know it, but uh, I'm just not right right now. If Jesus were to come and look at this temple, if he were to look into my heart, what would he find? Would it be in good condition? Or would it need cleaning and cleansing? So if that's you and you say, you know what, I'm not right with God, but I want to get it right with him now, just raise your hand. Is that anybody here? Wonderful. Okay, so then we're all family. Father, thank you for every nation church, Las Vegas. Lord, I pray that you remind us that if we acknowledge you as king, if we're going to get this one right, there are certain places that you occupy and you want to occupy our hearts. You want to occupy our minds. Lord, you want our life to be to be filled with you. So, Lord, as we are temples, as we carry your presence, as you dwell in us, within us, Father, may we carry your presence everywhere we go. But, Lord, may we share the mission in which you said you came to bring freedom to captives, to heal brokenhearted, Father, we are the liberators. So, Father, as we enter Easter, this is really the Super Bowl of the church. I mean, if there's any event where we're going to knock it out the park, it's the next couple of weeks. Father, help us to be bold. Father, give us grace and anointing to speak your word, to to invite others, uh, Lord, and to invite them into what we have. May we not be selfish with what you've done for us. May we share that. Lord, bless us this week as we go and we represent you, our holy king, our humble king who rules and reigns. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.